0: because we're yep. still locked out anyways. Got so. the calendar? Know when your kids' birthdays
1: are? I do. I do. <laughs> know, yeah. when they, know when the eye
2: It's still a surprise. <laughs> <though. It's laughs> they stink <laughs> up on me. Oh,
1: wait. It's a surprise birthday party, my son? Yes. Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> I didn't plan it. Am that was the problem. Do me a favor, though. <laughs> <laughs> be sure to give me a heads up whenever Marshall's out driving because I want to be home. Yeah, Well, I maybe want out of town. Maybe well, out of town.
2: Yeah, that's where I want to be. I'm going to be busy lighting candles for okay. myself. So. All right. Okay.
3: Jake Gallette with us. Jake, how are you? Good morning. Good morning. It's a beautiful day in the Ozarks. Since Ned did not say that, I get to. That's because it's not.
4: Jimmy.
1: <laughs> 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 First disagreement of the day underway, and Josh Roberts with us. How are you, sir? I'm doing great. How are you? <laughs> You're going to add something to it, there. <laughs> Okay, fantastic. Josh is doing good today. All right, let's start in North Carolina because that was the biggest news story of yesterday.
4: No, 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 no. no. We've got to go local first.
1: Well, we'll 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 get the local. We'll get the local. Everybody's heard about the national part of part of this. You (laughs) haven't. You didn't even watch the game. I've All right, okay, it. we'll start with local Missouri Valley Conference Tournament going on yesterday. Missouri State Bears in the semifinals against Loyola, right?
4: No, 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 Drake, no Drake. Drake.
1: against Drake last night. The I didn't watch it, I'm sorry. Uh, what happened? Give us a recap. You didn't watch it either, I don't know why we're asking you. No, I did,
4: I, I watched <laughs> half of it and then did not see <laughs> the ultimate decisive part of it because <laughs> of another commitment. But, but over and above that, the Bears lose it by 1-79-78. And they lose it in overtime. And they lose it with one second to go in the overtime. And, well, of course, the kid who went to the foul line is a freshman. Of course, he also happens to be the league freshman of the year. He's a pretty good player. And he cans both foul shots. And the Bears come close to erasing that with a wild shot at the end. It didn't go. But to lose it by one... Our point of conjecture, though, is that with that little amount of time in a crucial situation, do you blow your whistle? I've asked Jake, who has seen it. He saw the play, and you are of the opinion that it's the kind of foul that you swallow your whistle?
3: Absolutely. Yeah, I think you and I were talking before the show. With this, I think the refs know in that last final five seconds, if it's not a blatant, obvious foul, you just let him play. Um, Mosley tried to stand his ground, had to kind of lean and slide a little bit to get a little bit better position to try to draw the charge, and they called the foul on with 1.1 seconds left. Missouri State was up one at the time. The guy makes two free throws, and that's the rest is history.
4: So evidently the official felt compelled. Uh, He thought, the, the, the thinking is this, a blatant foul concerns a situation in which a player is impeded from making what possibly could be a basket was he impeded
3: no no no, no. he had, he had all the position the player with the ball should have made the, the little 2 foot layup honestly a little just a little jump shot there but it was not wh- why he missed was not because of mosley no
4: oh he did he did get the shot off though
3: oh yeah mm-hmm. yep
4: he did well. That's an awfully, awfully tough way to lose a game. I, I'm hoping that when the selections come out, which is not this Sunday, but next, actually, be next Monday, the Bears won't make the NCAA. Only one team will. That's whoever wins their game this afternoon. But the Bears could make the NIT. We can talk about that a little bit later on. Do you have? Uh, did you see any of it at all,
2: Um So this was a tough game. I mean, it was it was back and forth. Missouri State played a great game, and I don't want that to be lost. Um, almost any time we talk about college basketball this time of year, there were opportunities. There were a lot of opportunities. Um, Gage Pram had a fantastic finale. Well, maybe not finale if they get into the NIT, but, I mean, I'm still of the opinion he's going to play pro basketball somewhere. He's too talented, got the size. Um, Isaiah Mosley, one of the best scorers we probably had at the school. Honestly, I think you can say that at this point. I did hear some interesting chatter from some folks that, think they're in the know that Mosley is considering entering the transfer portal so that'll be interesting to see whether or not that he hadn't made a decision yet so what I'm hearing is he may do that he feels like he might get a better opportunity to shine at a larger school that'll be a shame the Bears Ned, as you know it's been since 1999 since they've been to the to the dance so oh, yeah wow. it's, I didn't
1: realize it had been that long it's been quite a drought um, yep Josh, did you uh, spend any time with the Bears last night? Uh, I, no. Uh, I, don't, I don't know. How many points did Winston Garland have last <laughs>
4: night? I, I missed it. Actually, you know, that's, that's huh. interesting you bring that up because uh, Mosley is being compared to Darryl Garrison and Winston Garland and nice. some of the great scores that they've had. Now, in my opinion, yes, he, he is a very good scorer. He had 27 points in the game last night. He's had games, a couple of them in the 40s. A bunch of them in the thirties. Also had one Sunday a week ago that was seven. <laughs> the good scorers the good scores have to prove themselves in the clutch. This tournament he he showed a lot of folks that this kid this kid can play. Nice. He's a Columbia Rockbridge kid. His other buddy, Jamonte Black, is down here playing. The third buddy is playing for the Jayhawks. Now, that's one of the theories that has been espoused that he might go into the transfer portal. He was asked about that in the post-game conference, and he said, hey, we'll make that decision later. But he didn't deny it. Of course, his coach is sitting right there with <laughs> the right. Dana right. of right. Yeah. <laughs> what
1: did they say, transfer portal? I think of Star Trek. That's yeah. what I think of. let get in the transfer portal and go down to the planet. <laughs> anyway... So the Bears, what's you know where are we at Ned? are they going to go to the NIT do you think they'll they'll take a take a bid there or they're, they're, i know there's another tournament that floats around out there too any
4: do you think they'll play i do i think they'll play somewhere and it may or may not be the NIT the NIT's 32 teams NCAA's 68. But the NIT is a little bit different format from what it has been now because it's owned by the NCAA. Back in the old days, when it was quite literally the National Invitation yep. Tournament, it was a group of guys in New York. Well, let's see, this team out here has played pretty well. They might be a pretty good draw and so forth. This time, there is a format for entering it. There are automatic qualifiers to the NIT, and Northern Iowa is an automatic qualifier. One, their regular season championship, but they're not going to the NCAA. Therefore, they will be automatically in the NIT. How many others will fall into that category because they don't go to the NCAA, I don't know. But it'll be, it'll be some. The rest of them are at large. And then the NCAA does something the NIT, the old NIT, never did, and that is seed teams. And you seed them to where one, two, and three, the first three rounds, are played at, uh, at the court, the home court of the highest-seeded team. Then the semifinals and finals go to Madison Square Garden. Huh. The whole thing used to be at Madison Square Garden many, many years ago. But now it's it's just the find the semifinals and finals.
1: You had the perfect opportunity to point out something that my dad would always point out because my dad was a huge college basketball fan, and that is, back in the day, the NIT was bigger than the NCAA tournament, Thank and all the good teams went to the NC and went to the NIT and left the NCAA tournament. That's how Missouri State won a couple of championships.
4: <laughs> even even when I was uh, a kid in, in school, and yes, it was. It was the bigger, the more prestigious of the two, and there was a period of time right, right up until 1950, 51, 52, where you could play in both. Mm-hmm. both oh, towns. wow, I didn't know that. And that did happen, and then we got into the, even back in the old days, people fixed
1: games. Can you imagine what? that? Oh, we got into
4: man. the fixing scandal in the early 50s, and that blew the whole thing. But uh, in regards to the NCAA tournament taking over for the NIT, I really feel that it happened. I'm going to say it It, it really happened when Wilt Chamberlain went to yeah. Kansas and when the NCAA was held in Kansas City. That was the home office there, and they played in the municipal auditorium. Chamberlain went his sophomore year, didn't go his junior year, and then went pro. But about then is when the tide began to turn, And then when UCLA had their magic run and the games were on national television and it really took over. Glory Road did a lot for that in 66, Mm -hmm. two years, three years prior to that Loyola of Chicago, which had four African-Americans and one white guy. That was the that was the beginning of the trend. And they won the national championship. So, indeed, you began to see more of a national influx into the NCAA I don't consider the NIT necessarily to be a runner-up tournament. It's just a secondary tournament, and it's it's pretty doggone good competition. You've got a game up here on TV that it's halftime right now, but you're seeing a team in that one that won the NIT last year, Memphis. So, indeed, you have pretty doggone good competition, and I hope the Bears get an invitation. I hope they do. I think they deserve one, and as John pointed out, they're a pretty good team.
1: By the way, guys, I call that four African-Americans and a white guy. That's my band name. Okay, so it's mine. It's mine. You can't take that's it. That's awesome. All right, it's mine. I called it. I called it. Okay, let's talk about the other big college basketball story, and that is Mike Krzyzewski. He lost his last game. He wasn't playing North Carolina himself, but Duke lost their last game against North Carolina last night. whole lot of stuff to unpack with this. Ned, I we talked before we went on the air, and I agree with you. It's a lot of pressure to put a coach and college kids under To go out and win that game against a rival when you want, everybody wants that one thing.
4: This is a rivalry unlike any other in the country. Durham and Chapel Hill are right next door to each other. They can't stand each other. Each school has a different philosophical approach to education. They're both great colleges. And their basketball programs for years and years, that's Tobacco Road. And years and years, these these teams were arch, and still are, arch rivals. I'm the Duke kids. Come on, they read the newspaper and listen to the TV and they know all about what's coming on. I think the pressure got to them, and North Carolina goes in there to the Cameron Indoor Arena. They are hyped and ready. Let's just spoil this whole thing for Coach K. Mm-hmm. And they did. Now, it's Coach K's final home game in Cameron. They're going to be a top seed in the uh, NCAA, even even in the ACC tournament. They, if they don't win it, they'll be a, a, a number. Well, they'll just be a top seed. They'll be a good team. So he's got probably a couple more games, or who knows how many more, uh, to go before his career does come to an end. But kind of ruined the uh, fifteen and twenty thousand
2: dollar ticket people <laughs> who went down there to see that thing.
4: <laughs> Did
1: you watch any of the game, John?
2: Uh, the North Carolina game and the Duke game, I did not. I just uh, I watched some highlights later, and it you know it was still a great celebration of Coach K and you know his legacy. But yeah, the North Carolina kids came in with no fear from what I saw.
1: I think anything if you saw the pregame and you you know saw the hype that went into it, and then the the ceremonies that happened before the game and during the game, and. It, 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 everything's going to be anticlimactic. It's oh, hard yeah. to go into that <laughs> kind of environment and play basketball and to do what you need to do. And, right. and we saw that last night.
2: We absolutely did. Yeah, I mean, it, Ned said it best. It takes the toll on the players. It takes tolls on the coaches. Yeah. Coach K was so much going on, all of the press, everything else. No matter how great of a head coach he is, his, his, he's not entirely focused on that game. So it's just the bravada really contributed to, I think, to that loss. And don't discount North Carolina. That's a really good basketball team. And they came in, and those kids stepped up to the plate and knew they were going to win from the start.
1: Let's talk to Jake. He's not a Duke fan. No, <laughs> not in fact, I call them puke, not Duke. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mentioned our general manager is a very big Duke fan. Well, yeah, I was going to say, he <laughs> said right. I was kicked off the show
5: last
3: week. What's we're that going to do? Yeah, we're
1: if, you, so, if you're in the parking lot and see Duke... Five X, that's his car,
3: okay? <laughs> have to avoid that at all costs. So, uh, the greatest part was the KU game went into overtime. So the first ten minutes of that game was missed by. Uh, had to go to ESPN two or the app. That was great. I love the fact that the Jayhawks overshadowed this, and that means they are the really the number one K in all of college hoops, Kansas. <laughs> so, uh, Not Kentucky, uh, I, no sir, no sir, no sir, no sir. I did watch the game. Um, Here is what I take. If you looked at the crowd. And from a firefighter standpoint, they had more people in there than they've ever had. They had rows and rows of people sitting on the floor. Um, there were, what, 90-some player, ex players there. And so this was bigger than – I think this was bigger than Coach K is, and it really, really bothered the team because they had all these fi- – <laughs> Jerry Seinfeld, the commissioner of the NBA was there. There were celebrities all over the place – And then you have the Grant Hills and all these teammates that that Jay Williams and the guys that created Duke basketball under Coach K. And then you have these kids that are supposed to play a basketball game with all this pressure. (laughs) This was a storybook ending because it was exactly what should not have happened, but it did.
4: And And, uh, did Zion Williamson and and Kyrie Irving get down there at all? I did not see them either. They were not. I guess the NBA wouldn't allow them that's incredible that that happened but by the same token when and y- you can answer this when does the fire marshal come in and put an end to that crowd <laughs> being
3: i'm sure the fire marshal was in attendance <laughs> yeah probably he was <laughs> and they had a nice so, team. Some
4: tickets buddy yeah. Yeah. so
3: anyway i'm just, and and yes tickets i have some friends that went spent 19000 on their oh. two tickets and i feel sorry for them but also at the same time you're like you know what? No, you did this. You bought that ticket. Yeah, nobody forced them to know, pay that for a ticket. No. No, but it's crazy. <laughs> for I had a, a basketball
1: game. I had a really good friend that went to Duke, uh Theodore Alexander Smith the 3rd, and uh I will tell you that he would come home and tell us just about the atmosphere that was at Cameron. There's no other atmosphere like it in college basketball. The way that they interact with the other coaches, the way they interact with the players, mm-hmm. the fact that the f- that the the students get those good seats that are right there. They're right there by the court. They get the best seats in the house. They're free, Krzyzewskisville, and all that stuff. It's just amazing atmosphere.
3: Don't forget the only 7,000 people can fit in that stadium. <laughs> so, <laughs> yes. yes, they are right on top of everybody. Mm-hmm. Yeah, It is crazy. We're normally, like at uh, Allen House it's 16,300 and all the they're behind the goal you know making yeah. doing all this stuff trying to get them to miss free throws and all that stuff where these like you said I think one of the whole row the whole side of the court all 92 feet is kids yelling at yeah. people you know and they're right there yeah like it's insane when they when they're trying to inbound a ball from the sideline not the goal but sideline and they're they are to almost touching them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, when when Dean Smith was coaching North Carolina,
1: my friend was going to school there, and he would say that when Dean Smith stood, they'd yell in unison, "Sit, sit, sit, sit," <laughs> and then they'd stop when he sat, and then when he stood back up, they'd start yep. again. So I just, oh, I, I it was just a, a really crazy. Just crazy atmosphere that they have there. Let's let's go around the table though as we wrap up the first segment, and let's talk about Mike Shushovsky because you guys mentioned some of the basketball players that played for Mike Shushovsky over the years. Let's talk about those guys: Jay Williams, uh, Bobby Hurley, Shane Battier, uh, Christian Chris Leitner. Christian Leitner, Elton
4: Brand, and-
1: Grant Hill, Elton Brand. What's the one thing that those players all have in common? Phenomenal. College players, not M- very good in NBA, the NBA. Grant Hill injuries, but let's just talk about that. Let's talk about that for a second. He
4: didn't design his players to be in the NBA. He does, Duke University folks is one of the most renowned academic institutions in the world. I mean, you just, not just everybody goes there. You've got to qualify for it. Now, the basketball players may get a bit of a buy with their scholarships, but they still have to meet certain academic standards. They are not dumbbells. I remember when the Bears went to the NCAA in 99, that's who they played in the Sweet 16, and we had the opportunity to visit with Battier and with Coach and with Elton Brand and some of those people, and they're all very well-spoken uh, oh, gosh, they, they conducted themselves and comported themselves with a level of discipline that only he, as a coach, I think could implement. Why could he do it, do it that way? Because he's a West Point guy. Krzyzewski went to Army. He's an Army captain, played his basketball for Robert Knight at Army. He was not, Susevsky was not a great player. And I think unbeknownst to a lot of folks, when he took over that Duke program in 1981 or 82, back in the early 80s, they weren't very good at all. Then oh, no. they were getting hammered. And Duke is accustomed to, in the earlier years, having very good programs. They had terrific players, but they'd fallen on hard times. It was up to him to revitalize the program, and he, you know, their first two years, they were not good. In fact, I think it was his third year in which he began to turn things around, and from there on in had the good teams. But it was his level of teaching, his discipline, and the fact that he was able to articulate to them a point of, guys, going to do this my way. You might not like it, but that's the way it's going to be. Now he's probably, he is retiring, of course, but he's more than likely also leaving for the same reason that other coaches are getting out of the business. Transfer, portal, and nil. Yep. This is this is absurd, but that's that's another story. The man himself certainly qualifies as being one of the legends of the game. Let's talk a minute,
1: John, about a player. I'm sure that you remember. I remember watching him play a lot. Shane Battier, because Shane Battier had this image in the. When he played for Duke, as being you know the good guy, he was a scorer. He was an all-around thing, all-around good player. And then he goes to the NBA, and he got kind of lobbed into and and I hope nobody takes this the wrong way, a thug role mm-hmm. where he was he was an enforcer kind of mm-hmm. guy. And I don't think that that ever suited him. Your thoughts on Mike Shishovsky and his NBA
2: yeah, I th- guys? I, Ned touched on this, and I completely agree with it. Krzyzewski built these teams to win as teams. You didn't see just a high, high score. You didn't see a Chamberlain, an Cinder, anybody like that on these teams. So while they were fair pro players, you didn't have a superstar. Grant Hill, you can argue, I mean, he was a multiple-time all-star. He did have injuries that affected him. Um, Just calling back a memory, you talked about when the Bears played them in the Sweet 16. I was in Florida on spring break. And so I had someone tape the game for me. And when I got back, I cannot tell you how many times I rewound that dunk that William Fauntleroy had on brand at the end of the first half. I was so in love with that play. Yeah. <laughs> So, um, you know, Krzyzewski's the guy you love to hate, and that happens a lot in sports. Mm-hmm. You know, people, Joe, you're a Yankees fan. People despise the Yankees no, because they they've
1: won. That's not true.
2: Okay. <laughs> uh, so anyway, Everybody loves him. In Yankees. that regard, that's who Duke is. I grew up, and Jake, you said you called him puke. I called them other four-letter words that I won't repeat here. <laughs> But at the same time, you always respected it because they were always there. He always had a team where you had five starters on the court that knew what their role was, knew what they could do. But then those players kind of got lost in the pros. You mentioned Battier. You know, you take on a different role when you get the NBA. He's a big kid. He's got muscle. So they used him as an enforcer. The other thing Duke, unfortunately, got known for were dirty players you can't say Christian Laettner without hearing a few F words in any room in this country. Grayson Allen, in my opinion, has become the dirtiest player in the NBA and he was the dirtiest player in college. So you have, you know, stuff disturbers. Mm -hmm. I won't use the word Mm -hmm. that come out of that program. And that's the little things coach K does to win basketball games. And honestly, you know, just like Tom Brady, people hate Tom Brady Shashevsky needs to Who? be exalted as one of the greatest right. coaches, if not the greatest in NCAA history. Nobody John, John Brady, wouldn't. what are you
1: talking about? <laughs> what are you talking about? All right, Jake, your thoughts.
3: Yeah, um, I was looking at the the list. Jason Tatum's playing today mm-hmm. in the with for the Celtics, I believe. He's a great boy. And he's great. Yeah. Um, you know, Grant Hill was the other one and then Kyrie Irving. Those are the three that I think uh, yeah, Shane Battier, Carlos Boozer was on that same team. Oh, sure was. That mm-hmm. was a good, you know, good watching. And then you'd love to watch them lose because they were good. He always had. And what I, what I do like about Coach K is you didn't see a whole lot of one and done students under his, under his staff. He maybe two years and out. But so that's why to me, if you look at the teams, just like Baylor last year, who has a bunch of seniors on their teams, they're going to go far in the NCAA tournament. And that's why Duke was so good. He is a good coach. He's a great teacher. He's a mentor. But he also keeps his kids around for longer than any other coach really does uh, for being the top premier five teams. Because everybody else, Kentucky, Kansas, UCLA, um, those guys have one-and-dones all over the place where Duke doesn't have that problem. I forgot that Kyrie Irvin went yep, to sure.
1: went to Duke. I guess he missed the class where they taught that the earth is not flat. <laughs> we'll be back in a minute with more Ned Talk and four point seven The Cave.
0: You're listening to Ned Talk on 104.7 The Cave, part of the Kansas City Chiefs Radio Network. Back to Ned Talk on 104.7 The Cave. A proud member of the Kansas City Chiefs Radio Network. Let us talk
1: some Chiefs football <laughs> off-season Let's do that. I've got a sort of a cap on the screen right now. I was going to share with you guys. Chiefs have $12.8 million in salary cap. They have a 30th pick in the first round, the 62nd pick in the second round, one in the third round, one in the fourth, and then three in the seventh. They obviously need defensive ends. They need defensive tackles. They need possibly a wide receiver. And I want to, throw something into the mix as we talk about that. We'll, I'll throw that out. I'll throw that out there first for you to start with, but free agents, Orlando Brown Jr., Tyran Matthew, Shavarius Ward, Jaron Reed, Melvin Ingram III, Daniel Sorensen, Byron Pringle, Daryl Williams, Jarek Mac- McKinnon, and Derek Naughty. Those are the free agents. Ooh, That's a lot of free agents. Yeah, let me, let me Toss this out for you. Let me just say two words and get your thoughts. Amari Cooper. Yes. No. What do you think?
4: Well, how much is it going to cost them on a salary cap? There's the problem. And how many are you going to have to unload? How many of those individuals you talked about that to create that place on the salary cap? And is he worth it? Yes, they do need help as wide receiver. They are not. You have Tyreek Hill. Yeah, he's, he's fine. The others are nowhere near as reliable. And you still have Travis Kelsey, who will be 32 yes. years old. Not that that's old, guys. But by the same token, you've taken a lot of hits. You also had the McKinnon kid who you talked about there. He's not a kid. He's been around. He's 29 and has had his years in the NFL. Is he going to be able to continue with his? And there are just so many factors that Veach has to take into consideration along with uh, Andy Reid about who they're going to keep and how that salary cap is going to be able to be manifested to take them. Sure, Amari Cooper would be an individual to go after, but who are you going to unload?
2: What are your thoughts, John? That's a pretty stout free agent class. Um, I'd say for sure Naughty and Sorensen are not going to be re-signed, if I were a guessing man. It's going to be a tough choice because I don't think you can afford all of those guys and improve your team, to be honest. Um, it's I mean, it's going to be a tough call on those guys. Amari Cooper, I have been a fan of since his time at, Josh? Roll Tide. Yeah, at Alabama. I think he's a phenomenal receiver. I think he's got a really good head on his shoulders. The guy improves any team he's been with. He even, you know, brought the Raiders out of the doldrums for a little while. I think he's a super talent. The question I worry about if he joins the Chiefs is, are there enough deep balls to go around? Because that's the way they play. It's gonna to take touches and targets away from Hill. And I just don't know. It's hard sometimes for that sort of premier receiver to thrive with two other Yeah, Kelsey's a tight end, but let's call him a receiver. So two other premier receivers.
3: What do you think, Jake? We don't need any more downhill receivers. <laughs> and he dropped so many passes while at Dallas, it's not even funny. Um, I'm not knocking he was a great college player. He was great in his first couple two or three, four or five years, but The Chiefs do not need this player. They need a slot receiver. They need a short Mr. Williams. They need to, on the draft picks, all defense, in my opinion. You can pick up these wide. There are so many wide receivers in today's league. It's ridiculous. And Amari Cooper needs to leave Dallas. That's number one for sure. And help a different team. What do you think, Josh? You've
5: been giving uh, Jake the stink eye. I was. I was giving him the skunk eye (laughs) because he doesn't know what he's talking about. (laughs) Look, here's the thing. Amari Cooper's good size. He's still talented. He could. He is what the Chiefs need for a receiver because it will take pressure off of Hill. It will take pressure off of Kelsey. And obviously these other guys that they tried to pull the pressure off of the of those two with, it didn't work out. So you put another premier receiver in there, and then the defense has to decide which of these guys can we double team. So it's going to create more offensive explosions for them. Uh, regardless of the fact that he was a standout at Alabama, he is a good receiver. And if you can pick him up for it, I mean, the problem, like you said, Ned, is going to be how much is it going to take. But I think Teron Matthews got to go. I think you get rid of Frank Clark because he's going to prison anyway. You let Sorensen go. You let Nagy go. You keep Melvin Ingram because that guy earned his spot by what he did for motivating the Chiefs. And then, I agree with Jake, you draft defense. Look for some good, young defensive ends or, or linebackers or whatever to shore up that defense because those guys will be able to play as, as rookies.
4: Nobody will argue the fact that defense is their primary objective. Just a small sliver of thought for you guys. Why do the Cowboys want to get rid of Cooper?
3: Money. He's $100 million.
4: $100 million, But in a Jerry Jones situation... If he was worth it, he'd still be there. There's got to be something else that may be involved in this. Just like with Josh Gordon when he was brought in as a free agent. He couldn't cut it. Well, here's Amari Cooper who's been around. I, I have some suspicions as well as uh, Jake does about why and, and how effective he would be. But isn't Jerry Jones a Razorback
5: fan? Oh, of course. Yeah, see, that's why he wants to get rid of him. <laughs> oh
2: <gosh>.
1: Sour grapes. <laughs> Do you keep Orlando Brown Jr.? I think so. I mean, th- they had a lot of depth on that offensive line, and, and he was he
2: did a great job last year. Mm-hmm. He did. He's an all-pro. I think you really have to look at keeping him. I mean, he's he. Yes, it was a it was a position switch for last year too that people need to realize, and he handled it well. And I mean, the statistics prove that our offensive line, I mean, it's it's good with the guys we have. You know, could you use? I think you you get guys like Jake talked about with wide receiver. There'll be offensive linemen available to beef that up in the case of injury. I don't look at that as a need this year. I think it. Jake said it best. It is all defense. Jake said it
3: best. That's right. That's right. What do you think? I think if he can stick around a couple more years, he'll get more um, comfortable with that position. The position change he did. I remember he mouthed off and says, "No one's touching Mahomes this year." Well, let me tell you something. <laughs> a lot of that came from his blind side, and that's on the side of Brown. So, yeah, I do think we need to keep as many players we can um, to protect Mahomes. Um, and focus on defense. And, and Calvin Ridley, that's who I think it should go for. Uh, oh, if you're yeah. talking about He's that, just... to me, you want to talk about someone's going to take some pressure off. Yeah, Amari Cooper would do it. Don't get me wrong. He is a good receiver. But I think the slot, the Calvin Ridley. A... <laughs> Tell everybody the story that you just showed me on your phone. Yeah, so the Washington Commanders inquired about a trade a potential trade for Patrick Mahomes.
4: He did that last <laughs> week, which is just <laughs> utterly absurd. Of course, the Chiefs are not going to part with him. They might take the whole Washington team and trade for right. him, but that would be it. Uh, yeah, I think that's done more of a stunt than anything that else. And be... they've been they've been searching for another quarterback.
1: Sure, he would be throwing and catching. Well, there's going to be quarterbacks yeah. this year. There's going to be some yeah. really good quarterbacks available this oh, yeah. year.
3: Oh, Chevarius Ward, do you keep him? I
1: don't think so. What do you think, Jake?
3: I don't. I think, again, those are players you can pick up in the tra- in the offseason.
1: Cornerbacks hey, the- are tough. Cornerbacks are really, really tough. And the Chiefs have been very thin mm-hmm. traditionally in the secondary. I, I keep Chavarius Ward. Mm. What are your thoughts, Josh? I can see them keeping I- – I
5: think you have to keep him. At, but I also wanted to say I think you have to keep Orlando Brown Jr. too because – one of the things that we've talked about over and over again is they revamped the entire offensive line at the beginning of the last season, and it took a while for them to gel. But when they gelled, you got the result that they needed. So I think you got to keep those guys together, and then, like you guys are saying, get some backup for some depth so if they mm-hmm. there are some injuries. But it took so long for those guys to get their collective stuff together.
1: You know, keep them. Quickly, everybody, let's talk about the four, four most interesting names in this list, at least to me. Daniel Sorensen, Byron Pringle, Daryl Williams, Jarek McKinnon. What do you do with those guys, Ned? In regards to letting them go? Let them go or re-signing them?
4: No,
2: I, in fact, I wouldn't be at all surprised if all four of them don't get released. John, your thoughts? I would get rid of everyone on that list except Pringle, but I don't think they're going to have a choice because I think Pringle is going to get some big offers from other teams that need receiving. He's a guy I'd let go of. The two guys that
1: I would keep off that list are Williams and and McKinnon because Williams is a a much better receiving back than
2: Hilaire is. And I keep Matthew, by the way. What? I said and I'd keep Matthew by the way. No,
3: I think you're going to hang on to him a year too long.
2: What are your thoughts, Jake?
3: Uh keep Williams, keep uh, McKinnon, trade CEH. Brian Pringle, I'm I don't know how much he's going to want. I don't know what the he he's a great returner. Um, Look what he did. He ran one back in that game against the Bengals that they lost because they got a holding before halftime. Don't get me started. I can recall every play. But uh, anyway, no, I think the two running backs for sure, you got to keep those guys.
5: What about you, Josh? I say you keep the running backs and dump the other ones and dump Tyron
1: Matthew. Get him out. All right. You've heard from us. We're going to be signing contracts in the near future. (laughs) We'll talk baseball next.
0: Yeah. You're listening to Ned Talk on 104.7 The Cave, part of the Kansas City Chiefs Radio Network. Back to Ned Talk on 104.7 The Cave, a proud member of the Kansas City Chiefs Radio Network.
1: I mentioned at the top of the show that Mr. Reynolds has been cranky. And the number one reason why he's been cranky is Major League Baseball, and it's uh, well, the lockout still going on. The Monday we had a deadline, it passed, and they extended till Tuesday. Deadline passed on Tuesday. They have met sporadically since then, and it's kind of interesting as I was looking through the notes on it because I'll be honest with you I'm, I'm I'm bored with it already I just you know just let me know when they when the agreements made and then we'll just I'll be excited about baseball again but it seems to me that they're they're like trying to slide through some things here that have nothing to do with the financial agreements that they've been that they've been fighting on I, I saw today they're they're wanting the pitch clock and they're wanting a 14 team playoff do you see this as it's kind of bargaining chips, Ned, to whatever it is that well, they're...
4: the 14-team playoff's already out. They've, they've kind of tacitly, both parties have agreed to 12. They're going to have it. But some of the others are all going to be delayed because the owners are the one pushing this. They want to push it to a certain date so that the union will crumble. And that certain date is going to be somewhere around the second or third week in April when the owners finally begin to get some money. From the tv folks prior to that they don't care they're not getting any money from this fans aren't going to give any you just made uh, an interesting statement though joe in regards to your redevelopment of interest once they play they lost me now that doesn't mean we don't report on them that's our job here but in terms of the passion for baseball that we used to have as kids it is g-o-n-e they've done it to themselves nine work stoppages each one has had an incremental impact on the psyche of american sports fans and you can see it, it so many went over to uh, watch missouri state play in a couple of games this weekend and um, all the individuals who were there probably a thousand somewhere around there all said hey to hell with these guys seven hundred fifty thousand dollars as a starting salary what company does that for heaven's sake and they're balking Good gracious sakes alive! I'm lost. Wait,
1: wait, wait. Well, let me let me let me ask you a question though. You brought up something interesting. Are they still going to get TV money even if they're not playing?
4: Well, they that's just it. They won't after that. But once that TV money starts to come in, which would be the latter part of April, early May, sometime around there, that's when the owners. Will, yeah, well, let's, let's backtrack on this
2: and let them start playing.
0: Hmm. hmm. They
2: what don't th- get any to begin with. No. What are your thoughts, John? As you can imagine, I'm pretty passionate about this topic, and I've followed it very, very closely. Um, This impasse, the 14-team playoff and all of that jazz is just window dressing. This entire thing has come down to two topics. That is the penalty for teams that purposely tank and don't spend money. Yeah. And the players will not move off this fascination with an $85 million pool for pre-arbitration players. Here's the issue with both of those. So the owners, and this, the first I heard about this was during the negotiations. Rob Manfred had a heavyweight title belt wrestling style that was passed from owner to owner per year for the one who made the most frugal decisions with their payroll. <laughs> if that's not collusion, I don't know what is. The players also, they talk about they want to save it for the future generations. The fans aren't going to be there to fund the future generations if you make this a sticking point. They've already agreed to a near $700,000 minimum salary. And what's lost, no matter how much each side talks about how, you know, they're, it's about the future, it's about the future. You have mortgaged your future now by missing games. We've already seen, Joe, you and I both coached baseball in this area. Yeah. We saw the number of interested kids drop exponentially each year year. Yeah. They are not going to come back. Many fans are of the same opinion as Ned. And this is tough for me to say. I'm of the same opinion. I don't care anymore. I don't care if they come back because that's how irritated I am with this situation. And the person I'm most irritated with, there's fault on both sides. You're never going to be able to have this conversation with your fans because none of us are making $700,000 a year in this room. That is rare air. I am. Okay, Joe, yeah. I forgot about your royalties. (laughs) Now, the other thing that bugs me is I will go on record as saying Manfred is the worst commissioner in Major League Baseball history. He is standoffish, and it's all about his fragile ego. The press conference I saw, which I need to call out Jeff Passan, who's one of my favorite reporters who got fired from the MLB network because he was too negative. He asked a question of Rob Manfred, and Rob goes, oh, I thought I was through with you. And Passan said, the feeling's mutual, sir. (laughs) And during that press conference, one of the items Passan asked is, why, when you locked out the players, did it take over 30 days to present a first offer to the union? And you know what his response was? Well, it's a complicated process. And, you know, both sides are negotiating earnestly. He doesn't answer any of the questions that are posed to him in that. He's in the so, perfect job. as far as I'm concerned, while he's at the helm, the ship goes down. Baseball, be damned! Until these folks understand who is paying for these games. Well,
1: I, I talked to my, my baseball buddy uh, Michael Vincent, and he said players are pretty much in the same boat. They don't they they, they there's a belief that it's all going to be made up on gambling and streaming.
4: And that's what they that, and then they're prepared
1: that, to stay out for a that long is part of it,
4: that long is part time. Of it there is there is a new level of communications that's being brought into effect and that is the the streaming and the ensuing gambling bally's sports network is the one that carries the cardinals and yes that is certainly a factor but is that one that you can negotiate since it really hasn't come into effect yet no No. you cannot
3: your thoughts jake I don't know if you noticed this, but <clears throat> I was the ventriloquist here. My hand was behind John. <laughs> well, I, I noticed there's a lot of air out of the room. That's what I did notice. <laughs> no, I had everything he says is exactly true, and it, they need to feel the hurt. And hopefully, the, even the fan base will start realizing that you know what—we're the ones that pay their salaries. So maybe we, as a fan base, sit back and boycott them.
4: Thank you. I think, I think
3: that's. A dis- right.
1: I think it's a distinct possibility, but again, I talk to baseball guys and they say attendance is highly overrated in baseball. That's highly overrated. What do you think, Josh? I love Premier League soccer.
0: <laughs> well,
1: I'll tell you. <laughs> I'm that dumb guy. I'm that dumb guy whose girlfriend keeps cheating on him and I keep going back to her because you know what? When baseball's back, I'm going to be watching games. And really, I planned for this segment and which is almost over. I know you're looking at your watch.
4: No, no, no. I'm just going to say, "Joe, you're you're not alone. There will be some fans who come back, but are they in mass the way they had to? I I do not think so."
1: Well, I think also, too. I I think fans are just they're going to go back. I I think that if you're passionate about baseball yeah you might give up on it but I also think you're the average fan that picks up a beer and a hot dog and likes to sit in the sun and watch a baseball game
3: they're going to go back right here in Springfield Missouri we can right, do it right
1: they're here. They're, go, they're gonna go they're going go back and they're going to want to see that level of play they're want they're going to want to see that when they do go back to a baseball game and you know I just I I I'm heartbroken over the, the game because I'm, I agree with John. I, I've seen it slide all the way from when I was a kid. It was the number one sports in America, and now it's it's not even on the front page of ESPN anymore. And I think those thoughts are lost. But I think to the average sports fan, they just they're they're sick of this. Just let us know when the games start, and we'll we'll be there. We'll come back to wrap up the show in just a minute. It's Ned Talk. i one four point seven. The Cave. Mm-hmm.
0: You're listening to Ned Talk on 104.7 The Cave, part of the Kansas City Chiefs Radio Network. Back to Ned Talk on 104.7 The Cave, a proud member of the Kansas City Chiefs Radio Network. We're
1: talking sports. Ned Talk, 104.7 The Cave, your local live sports talk show. I think we're all still live during that break. Got kind of animated there for a second, so... Uh,
3: I've never seen Ned with his shirt off.
1: I have now. <laughs> uh, yeah, we're doing Naked Ned Talk today. It's, it's not a pleasant sight. All For those of you viewing at home, you might want to turn your TVs off or avert your eyes right now. And we're not on TV. Just thought I'd share that with you. In case somebody was, like, scanning around, there's nobody actually listening to us. All right, let's, uh, let's talk about what you're going to watch on TV this afternoon. What are you going to go home and watch,
4: Ned? I will watch the uh, game between Loyola and Drake to see which one represents the NCAA. And just looking now, of course, they're going to be, after today's over, there'll be a number, a fair number of teams that have qualified for the, for the tournament because they've won their postseason. There's been one already, Murray State. Yep. And where will they play next year? Right here in the Missouri Valley Conference.
1: Wow. Okay. Nice. What about you, John? What are you going to go home and watch? Um,
2: I'll watch some college basketball. I mean, this is coming to the end of a lot of the major tournaments, so I'll I'll kind of see how things shake out. Uh, you know, maybe get a head start on my bracket.
1: Head start. Are you, are you, oh, do you do bracket, Ned? I do. Mm-hmm. Ned, does a bracket. You do, Ned. I do. I, I imagine yes, Jake would. Sir. What about you, Josh? Sure, I usually do one or two. Just I stopped doing brackets. I'm, I'm First of all, let, let me share this with everybody. When it comes to all that kind of fantasy sport picking things, I am horrible. I am absolutely the worst. And people usually get a pretty annoyed with me <laughs> if I'm in a fantasy football league. I get these messages like, why won't you even try? What are you doing? Why did you bench Tom Brady to play? I don't know. Dan Fouts. I mean, just, <laughs> he doesn't even play anymore, Joe. But yeah, that's the way it works.
3: So Jake, what are you gonna watch? The back of my eyelids. Okay. <laughs> I need a nap. But no, I've got some work to do. Yeah, I'll probably do. I'll probably catch a little a bit nap. of the the final Watch the Loyola game and Drake. I don't know who I really care to win. Who do you want, Ned? Don't care. Okay. I do not care. I don't and the bracket thing, I don't usually, but Warren Buffett calls every year and that uh-huh. begs me to play, so <laughs> Okay, what about
4: you? <laughs> now, let me throw this in. I'm 80 years old. One of my goals before I go to the big... It won't be up there. I'll be down here in the fire. Pit. Before I go to that, I want to at least, at least come in the running of one of those Warren right. Buffett things. Right. And, I'm out the first round.
1: <laughs> hey, you know where you're going, Dad? Shoot for management. Shoot
4: for management. There you go. That's already taken. Hostile takeover.
1: All right. What do you think? Uh, what do you What are you going to watch today, I, Josh? I don't know. I may watch a movie or something. I I I'm going. I'm
5: interested in the tournament once it starts, and I always am. I like watching college basketball at that point. But I typically don't watch these uh, conference tournaments. So, but I'll fill out a couple of brackets and see what happens.
1: I'm terrible at them too, though, Joe. John. You got something to
5: say?
2: I was just going to say, Ned, if, if you're going to the place I think you're going, save me a window seat.
1: <laughs> <laughs> there was a guy that I used to work with, and I say, people go, Why do you like that guy? And I say, Well, I'm pretty sure that he's in HR down in hell. So I just, uh, <laughs> that's right. I'm just kissing up for him so I can get a good spot when I get down there. Yeah. All right, guys, we'll see you next Sunday, noon, Ned
0: Talk. We'll do it all again. I'm going home to watch murder shows. Yay. Thanks to Brian Tindall and.